The Chicago Bears lose another brutal game. Goodness, Nick, as they fall 19 to 13 in a game where the Vikings refuse to put Chicago away on a day where a lot of bad things happen in Soldier Field. But there are good things that happen, too. And Nick and I will walk you through them on this episode of Bear With Us. What's going on, everybody, and welcome back to Bear With Us, a Chicago Bears podcast hosted by yours truly, Robert Schmitz, editor-in-chief of The Bears Blog, here with my co-host, Nick Whalen of Football Guys, coming right off the back of yet another Bears loss as they go off the mini-buy, falling to 1-5 and five in a game where it sure felt like uh, somehow, Nick, everything was just good enough to stay close throughout, but nothing was good enough for the Bears to get over the top, maybe ever. Do you you credit that more to the Bears, to the Vikings, a little bit of the both? Because if I was a Vikings fan, I would struggle to be proud of this one. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I think just both teams are bad. And when teams are bad, they just can't put teams away. I mean, the Vikings had 220 yards of offense and Chicago's defense. I mean, do do we credit Chicago's defense for playing well? Do we say the Vikings didn't have Justin Jefferson and they're bad. I don't, I don't know. It's a mix of both, but like it was just a mess on that side of the ball. It's a little of everything, right? Like I did not plan to start defense with this podcast, but you've opened the door to it, right? We saw some big time plays from a couple yeah. players all across the roster. I mean, I'm thinking of TJ Edwards hitting that or hitting Alexander Madison like a jackhammer on the blitz that created the popped up ball that uh, Tremaine Edmonds picked off. I'm talking about Jalen Johnson coming up with a couple major third down pass disruptions. Tyreek Stevenson, despite being victimized so often throughout this NFL season, came up with a huge pass breakup later in the game. I mean, the defense, for as much as I I may tease them, and as much as every other team seems to have found the secret sauce, they bowed up. They did their job. They held the Vikings off of, let me see right here, 22 carries. 22 carries, Nick. They held them to 46 yards and a longest rush of eight yards. This Bears defense, I'm talking about you, Andrew Billings. I'm talking about you, Demarcus Walker. Like, they're kind of, maybe even Gervon Dexter and Zach Pickens, who I know yep. Pickens had a TFL. Maybe we're finding something from yeah. a run defense perspective. Pass, game, or pass defense, I really don't expect it to improve all that much over time. But they gave a Vikings team without Justin Jefferson all that they could handle. And mm-hmm. I mean, unfortunately, unfortunately, Nick, the big problem here is that if I told you pregame, hey, the Vikings, they're going to have two crippling plays. One of them's a turnover. One of them should be a turnover. But for some reason, they're going to rule TJ Edwards out of bounds. And the Vikings are only going to score 12 points. You, just like any person, would have gone, oh, sweet. Big Bears win then, right? Yeah. What did we get? Yeah. So I couldn't believe that they overturned that call. Right. I mean, that was was probably the big, like, if they ruled him... If they'd ruled him out. To start with. I'm I'm accepting it. (laughs) I'm like, okay, but like... And it wasn't even his right foot. It was his left foot. Like, he was bringing it in. Like, to me, it was just, it was a bizarre call. That's the thing. Opinion. And I do wish we had a camera on the other side. I can understand that it. I'm trying to envision him, like, catching the ball, which has different rules. But 
it felt like he was still bringing the ball in as his as, as his foot crossed the line. But it's the overturn that really throws me off. File that right. one. I mean, much less important moment. File that one in an equally weird call as the Dez caught it ball from a billion years ago, where they overturned De- Dez catching the ball, which felt really weird to me. But uh, you, you, you know what bothers me about the Dez play, by the way, what? the most is. So like he reaches and I know like the ball, you know, pops up or whatever, but then he catches it. So like, it's never not secure and the ball just hits the ground. Right. So like, okay, he reach catches it. Why is that not a touchdown? Like to me, that was like the most bizarre, like the NFL script wants Aaron Rodgers to continue (laughs) like thing I've ever seen. Cause I, even if it, like if I have it and I reach and it still goes up in the air and I catch it again. Why is it not a touchdown? Oh, yeah. I mean, the NFL officiating will have some awfully strange moments. I mean, look, we are not a podcast that complains about the referees, but all kinds of calls can go plenty of different directions. Like Kirk Cousins. Yeah. Hold up. I got one I am heated about. Which one? Is it the one where Justin Fields gets hit in the face? No, that could be one as well. Because I thought thought he was a runner on that. But I could have understood it just because he's a quarterback. Which one? but how many times have we had a guy on the sideline launch his helmet into the other guy's helmet and gotten flags this year? Not just Chicago. A other lot. Ones, and that play happened there too. No, the the one when Jordan Addison is blocking Tyreek Stevenson on a five-yard out route, and he he's <laughs> gripping Stevenson's jersey, so Stevenson grips him back, and it's defensive P.I. when we've seen Chase Claypool, when he was on the Bears, flagged for offensive PI when they ran a screen behind him. It's the same thing. Oh, instead of being offensive PI, moving them back, changing the whole dynamic of that, they score a touchdown later in that drive. I mean, I was like, what? Like he, he made no intention to try and get around him at all. There's like, Nope, I'm here. It's okay. I'm like, yeah, that was a block. Yeah. I mean, there were some weird ones like Kirk Cousins throwing straight over the head of an, a very viable receiver and getting called intentional ground. Yeah, that was a bad call. That was, there's some was like, there's some weird ones throughout this game. But I mean, I do worry, Nick, we're starting to bury the lead a little bit because the conversation throughout this like entire season has been about number one, Justin Fields. And I <clears throat> I want to start with you, if you don't mind, because I think. I can be frankly too annoying on Twitter about some of this stuff, almost going back and forth because Justin Fields has taken us on a slightly back and forth ride. But he finishes today through about two quarters and a half, six for 10, 58 yards, one interception, four sacks. He also adds 46 rushing yards on eight carries. I don't know what the total is. Looks like it's just over 100 yards on some 20 plays. How did you feel like he played? And obviously, with it goes without saying that him getting hurt sucks, especially since I bet you there's a decent chance that they didn't rule him out immediately with a wrist because they didn't find some kind of fracture or something that will keep him out for at least some time. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, So on the field's injury, um, insert four letter word and then another four letter word, another four letter word. That's exactly how darn, darn, darn. Yeah. Whatever you want. (laughs) Because like, um, now we're not going to know. We're not going to know if the last two weeks, I mean, I mean to expect, um, I don't know, elite level quarterback play every week. Isn't realistic for any 
quarterback, did no. people watch Patrick Holmes not play well last week? I mean, every quarterback has up and down games. And this was definitely a down game for him. But if there's a fracture, you're thinking four to six, six to eight. Um, if it's a sprain of a wrist or something, you're still thinking multiple weeks. Um, and so, so then what happens? Like, cause th- we need to know if he's the answer and if not, then, then you have to move on. And this, this just stinks. Cause now you don't know. Don't, the only thing this could potentially help with <laughs> the only thing is his last two full games were the two best back-to-back games in mm-hmm. the NFL since 2021. And so does that help the trade value or not? But it, oh, don't go just, to trade value. Let's at least keep the conversation about what. So, whether, yeah. Fine. Okay. So about his gameplay today, um, clearly the blitzing was, uh, had him a little, uh, confused and rattled. I mean, we still haven't seen down the field what was going on. Um, I'm definitely not, not going to put all of that on him when I no. can see the, um, oh my gosh, the 49ers missed the field goal. I'm sorry. They're going to lose to the Browns. Holy Any buckets. given Sunday, man. Any given Holy Sunday. Buckets. Um, to, because like there was a pump and go, and I think it was to DJ Moore where he pumps and he resets. And that's what I teach my quarterbacks. And then insert whatever running back is blocking a defensive end gets run over and he gets sacked. I'm like, what design is that? You want to go big on big and then you want to have your running back scan front side to backside. That's, that's what you do. And they didn't have that. So so to me, some of those were that way, but I definitely think fields held the ball too long. I think that um, a little gun shy, probably on some of them, he could have thrown as I saw from again, the, the, the broadcast angles Um, he had, he had a down game, but I think, that was probably to be expected. He didn't have a down game of I'm throwing three picks and the yeah. offense can't function because he still can throw the ball as he found Mooney on that one, as he um, can still use his legs and convert. Like that's the benefit you get with a freak athlete quarterback. It's like, I'm still going to make things work. The bad thing that didn't work. <sighs> okay. I'm what? sorry. On the podcast before, I've said probably 12 times, I want to punt Lucas Patrick into the sun. But he snaps way better than Cody Whitehair. What is, the, how many snaps can go awry that you have to get benched in the NFL game? I've for never snapping, seen that. For snapping the ball. I mean, every other team seems as if they've got a center that can at least snap the ball decently on 60% of plays. This is not a great number. 60% is a low target percentage. But I swear, man, I'm with you. The Bears like were snapping the ball. Robert. That's like a peewee guy that doesn't know how to snap the football. Okay, we got to bring another guy to snap the football. That's the most basic thing. It's not we have like to bring blocking. in the guy who's been botching snaps all season. They've right. just been catchable botches, right? Patrick came in. This was... All right, so look, I need to back up. Because as much as I could sit here and rip up Fields, and maybe Nick will get there. Because I don't think Fields played well. I do think this was a really bad game as far as Fields answering questions that I know I've had for the last two weeks. Even as Fields has been dominating, I was wondering, okay, but he's throwing to the guy that he pre-identifies pre-snap as his first read a lot. How's this going to change when defenses counter him and get him basically off of his mental spot? But let's take a step back here, Nick. We want to be the podcast that talks about scheme. We want to be the podcast that talks about ball through the lens that ball needs to be talked about. How did Luke Getzey 
plus Justin Fields, plus the rest of this Bears offensive staff seem so shocked that Flores sent a six-man blitz on the first play. I am blown away. I don't know who to point the finger at because I could act like it's some kind of quarterback problem, but there's no way, there is no way they had 10 days to watch Vikings tape and didn't think that when they lined six up on the line that Justin should at least know which side or that like he needs to be ready with his hot route just in case that last guy's coming. Instead, on the first snap of the game, we take a shotgun snap. We don't check the backside. He comes. All five linemen shift down just like they should based on the protection call. But Nick, curiously enough, we're not going to allow the free rusher to come towards Justin Fields' eye line, are we? Like, we're, we know we're throwing to our right. Why are we not mm-hmm. s- setting the mic on the left so that we can shift left and Fields can see the last guy coming at him? I have so many questions. <laughs> I have so many questions. Why did it seem as if the second half's adjustments were, let's hold on to the ball longer? Why did it seem as if as they started taking more and more sacks, there weren't more quick screens? The stuff Bajan's running, Fields could have run, take the snap, and throw the ball. The ball may not have come out as fast. I'm not trying to say that these quarterbacks are the same, but you can't just not call the play call just because the quarterback doesn't. I I don't know. And like I said, Nick, I have so many questions. Because well, okay, so 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 just talking scheme wise, um, that you're you're exactly correct because we talked about this in the preview of the pod, and we are just two men. We are not professionals about no. football. We do this in our spare time. So so when I said, "Hey, look, this data says the Vikings blitz forty four percent of the time, number one in the NFL, and the first play is a blitz." I mean, are you are you in? I don't know chemistry class. And then all of a sudden the test comes up and it's AP calculus. Like, how did you not know right. what the test was actually going to be about? Cause it, that's not, the, they don't mix it up that much. It's not like the Minnesota didn't blitz at all. All of a sudden they're just playing zone. They right. did exactly what they did. You're in chemistry. It's a chemistry test. And you're like, man, this is the moon to me. How does that happen? How the does other that happen? thing, the other thing that makes me, cause well, okay. First, if, let's just stay with scheme. So as the game progressed, right, and Bajent went in, he had to run Justin Fields' offense. That's what made it kind of interesting, like how things probably will change. We'll get into some of that, is that he still had to do zone reads. He still had to do some of those other things. One of the things that scheme-wise that I do not like is, and we witnessed by Darnell Mooney not blocking the most dangerous guy on the screen to DJ Moore and got him lit up, is... Wide receiver screens don't have to be the first thing that you do when you're worried about a rush. R- run five-yard option routes. Yes. Those are easy. Okay, you run to green grass, and then I hit you. That's what every quarterback and offense does. It's simple. One, two, three, it's out. There's no blitz there, but we don't have that. Is, is it all that hard, Nick? And I know the answer is no. I'm asking a rhetorical question. To walk <laughs> no. up with a play call and have a check that everybody on the offense knows, hey, if we get that six-man alignment up front, where they've got six guys on the line, we are checking to this. And then just make a quick hand signal, check to it, and run whatever play you wanted to run. Because like you're saying, I was I was stunned <clears throat> that that first play with a blitz, they didn't have a hot route. The fact that Fields wasn't trying to throw the ball as the guy hit him stunned me. Not And we can we can talk about this through the lens of Fields didn't do something well. I mean, 
I don't think any of this conversation, at least as I see it, Nick, absolves Justin Fields because that's not what this is. It's more that when a quarterback doesn't play well, almost 85% of the time, it is emblematic of an offensive system failure. Right. Like right. The, the quarterback, unfortunately, rarely, ra- rarely wears his own success and his own failure like Zach Wilson does. It takes a very unusual quarterback <laughs> to continually put the game on his own shoulders. It's it's actually pretty weird if you see the game right. the way I do, Nick. Right. Like It's rarer to find a quarterback that misses eight open receivers in a game than you'd think it would be. It's just mm-hmm. a matter of the coach won't call what, I don't know, uh, Daniel Jones can't do. And so, therefore, the play sheet's pretty limited and everybody looks bad. And then, well, yeah. No, no, I, and I'm with you. But going back to that first play call, because, I mean, I think that's really important, right. is, okay, so if we look at it, there's six guys. One of the mugged up linebackers bails, okay? Mm-hmm. So they have three coming from the left and they have two coming from the right and the center went right, okay? So here's the problem is, is we don't know if fields makes all of the protection calls we or if the line can do some of the protection calls, because let me tell you what football is. Okay. If we, and again, the, the, you know, the, the JT O'Sullivan's and, um, uh, you know, Tim Jenkins, two guys that I like also me do these videos. Okay. You do videos too. Okay. This is the design of, of passing. Okay. Justin Fields took the drop. He looked to the right. It was mm-hmm. right or middle, but it was middle right. It was his eyes were this way. Three guys pressure came off of this way. If that is the case to protect your quarterback, you want the free rusher to become from his Through vision your eye line. line. Exactly. It came from this side. So to me, that means either Fields didn't even consider the guy coming who was lined up like two yards off the line of scrimmage, or the line didn't call that because Honestly, we're lucky he didn't lose the football. Very he lucky. Jacked he up. So to me, that's a schematic thing or a player issue, but that's a humongous issue to have the Huge. free rusher off of the blind side. Bears radio uh, color analyst Tom Thayer was incensed, apparently. I believe he called it disgusting, but I'd have to go back and listen to the call again. But the point being that it's a, it a really awful opening play. And yes. honestly, things didn't get a lot better from there. And maybe what frustrated me the most is that once the Bears showed that they were unable to pass the ball well, they actually opened up a can of you-know-what on the Vikings on the ground. Deontay Foreman played like a player that had been benched and was mad about it. Like, Tevin Jenkins and the Bears' offensive line were grinding, even after Nate Davis left from injury. I was a little surprised, Nick, if I could be honest with you, that the Bears kept trying to go back to the passing well as Brian Flores continued to thump the entire, again, the entire passing unit. There are going to be so many podcasts that are going to get on soapboxes and make this all about Justin Fields. Fields didn't play well. Fields fell into a trap that I was worried that he would fall into. His time to throw did not seem to go down. This is exactly the kind of game where you should expect to see a quarterback perform a little bit more, a little more, like what Mm -hmm. Tyson Bajit was doing between horrible turnovers, right? Like quick out, quick out, quick out, quick out, medium time to throw ball out, like medium time to throw ball out, quick out, quick out, medium, quick out. Instead, we got a lot more long dropbacks. We got... Fields looking around the field. We saw the blitz seem to pull Fields' eyes down, turn him into a runner. We got some sweet scrambles. Some other drives just died on impact. But it's still a cohesive thing. Like, I think the offensive line and the receivers, just like we talked about last week, have been doing yeoman's work 
for the offense over the last two weeks. This week, I don't know what happened downfield. We never do because the like the yep. NFL loves an even tighter broadcast shot than college does, who will give you this like <laughs> hybrid all twenty two ish shot we where at pr- least we need prime vision, Roberts. What we need. You can see 15 yards downfield in college. That's helpful because at least mm-hmm. by the time somebody goes streaking, you have a feeling of whether whether or not they're single covered. But mm-hmm. on a game like this, I was just so disappointed. And unfortunately, Nick, to me, my big takeaway is so let me let me say maybe the most damning thing that I could about Justin Fields. And it's not even intended about Justin Fields, Nick. To me, I see a team with very little resiliency where even as the defense was bowing up and making plays, they still didn't stop Kirk in that key second half, uh, like second half or first blah, end of the first half drive, second quarter drive that allowed them to go up. The bears couldn't apparently help themselves from giving up a huge turnover at the end of the game. And they ultimately weren't tight enough and detailed enough to make plays at the end of the game. And to me, that's an Eberflus issue. I'm not pointing at Justin Fields. But Justin Fields was beginning to audition to potentially exist outside of or save the jobs of Iberflus and Luke Getze. And Luke right. Getze was so abysmal throughout the entire first half because, again, I'm disappointed for a reason. And Iberflus's defense brought it a little bit. I don't want to make it sound like Iberflus's defense was awful. This was, without a doubt, the best defensive showing that we've had all season long. I just can't help tip my cap to Kevin O'Connell because the Vikings offense also seemed like they literally wanted to give the game back to the bears based on the way that they structured a lot of their attack. They they wanted Caleb, man. If I was a Vikings fan, I would have been outrageously disappointed because this Vikings team should have been better. Right. But the bears caught a lot of favorable bounces and somehow even still it took until the very late, late frame of the game for the bears to finally get that touchdown that put them within striking distance, meaning they got one drive. Right. I well, I don't know that they got that many favorable bounces because, like, okay, if we if we go back and we look at you know, even some of the fields drives, okay. So we talked about the negative first play. Right. Then he runs twice. First down. We're at the forty-six. So we're yep. basically midfield. Run by Darrington Evans. Negative five yards. It's like sack, incomplete pass. Which again, it's another screen on third and twenty-one. It's just like I. Part of me is like, okay, you don't want another sack. Who cares at that point? It's third and 21. At least try to convert, but, but, or, or throw it up and get a PI. Like I'm, and, and Scott, Scott fumbled it. But then the next, um, no, two drives from then. Okay. First play by Dante Foreman, fumble. Luckily, Tunyon recovered it. And now it's, and that was a bad fumble. In 16. Too. So, like, we're, so, I mean, there were multiple drives. We're just like throwing them away because of negative, huge plays on first down, not, not just sacks. I mean, the first drive, first play was the sack, but even in that drive, negative. I mean, you can't have negative five or negative six on rushing plays. Uh, I know one of them worked, but was that like a toss to Valus Jones? Negative five yards. Like you can't get negative 16 yards on three actual running plays. That's terrible scheme. It was, it was pretty bad. And also major kudos to the Vikings because they took nearly no defensive penalties. If memory serves, I mean, it's funny. You mentioned negative plays on first down. Usually the penalties even out a little bit, but let me see. I'm checking it now. The Vikings defense only took five penalties for, for 63 yards, I guess, because the defense well, pass interference is going to wait it. Who knows if that's defense though? There was the one defensive one. The, on the Bajant one was at least a 40 yard penalty, right? Yeah. 
Here, I'll, I'll look through as we're talking. I'll see if I can find perfect at any defensive ones. Because I'm with you. I mean, at the end of the day, I'm I'm really disappointed, right? Not because I expected this Bears team to like come out and thump. You know, I I feel like sometimes I'm one of the more negative Bears commenters because I swear, Nick, and there's nothing wrong with this. There are so many wonderful Bears fans that just want something to cheer for. But the zeitgeist around the team, you could hear it, right? The Bears fans were like, well, we're not possibly worse than the Vikings down Justin Jefferson. Come on. Like, that's a bad team. And you know the Vikings were sitting there saying, well, we're not possibly worse than the Bears, regardless of who they're playing. Is this just what happens when you get two bad teams playing each other? Fan bases are like, both fan bases basically go, well, we're not bad. We're mid. And you're bad. And well, that, that was us, right? <laughs> we both predicted Chicago to win. We both thought that they turned the corner offensively. They started the football, the game I'm with the football. That it didn't score. Stunned you know, like, that bad offensively. They were terrible offensively today. If, if we was. used if we used net points, because I like net points, right? When you turn the ball over and you score against yourself, do we want to call that the defense scoring, or do we want to just call that the offense scoring on yourself? I think it's more yep. fun that way. Yep. The Bears were once again, um, <laughs> they scored six points, like yep. because the thirteen turns into six after you take both touchdowns off the board, which is just so frustrating. Because this Vikings defense has given up yards and points to nearly everybody else, at least more than that, right? I, if this felt to you, this felt this makes the last couple weeks to me feel feel. Haven't watched the All Twenty Two, may change my mind, but it yeah. feels like the last couple weeks were that um, Mitch Twenty Twenty Lions Vikings Jacksonville oh, Renaissance, right? Where it was like, man, we are killing teams that are worse than us, and. I really don't want to go there because it's it's frustrating to me that Fields takes the hits that he does. It sucks that he got hurt. Nobody mm-hmm. should get hurt. If we could design a football where nobody got hurt, that would be awesome. But even if we did flag football, people would pull muscles, just ask baseball players, right? right. Um, but so within that, Nick, the fact that he, he was starting to get waxed. If you felt like I did, I, I didn't think an injury was coming, but he took some hits throughout this game mm-hmm. like and and many of them weren't necessary a couple no. of those plays he was running around one of them i remember was daniel hunter he let daniel hunter put him in like an undertaker chokehold and just smash him on the ground and it was yep. a totally legal hit because he'd made himself a runner and hunter wasn't what i like what do you call it horse collaring him and so what an what a just awful experience <laughs> to see, like, as a fan of Justin Fields, because to me, I I don't know what the road is back from this, right? Because let me ask you, yeah. Nick, given what you have seen now, how many more games of better do you need to lock Fields into the future, especially if that future involves, like, five to six more losses from the Chicago Bears and starts to make the coach or put the coaching staff in question? Well, um... Okay. Uh, so I do want to talk about Luke Getze again, but that's, I can, I can come back to that, but no, no, no. But, Go talk about Luke Getze. We'll get back so, to that other question. Okay. So here, here's the other problem that I have. Okay. And this is again, my, my offensive background and like just how I'm wired. Okay. Right. We, and this, we, as I see it, all bears fans. Okay. And then you could say us kudos, you know, film lovers, you know, I know you, Robert, me, a bunch of other guys. Right. And we've watched, right. We've seen Tyson Bajan play. 
And Tyson Bajan is best at quick passing game, processing, you know, getting the ball out on time. Like that's what he's good at. Also, I don't know. They probably did this because they're NFL guys. You could look at four years of film in college and yep, he's good at that stuff there too. So we have a big sample size of that, right? Tyson Bajit comes into the game. We see handoffs and three straight wide receiver screens. And I don't know what's more criminal throwing back-to-back halfback screens in Tampa and the game when we, the drive we need to win the game or three straight wide receiver screens to a defense. That's not good. When the best thing that your quarterback can do is process information. Cause that's nothing catching and throwing the ball just completely horizontally. There's no processing to that. And then when we let him get the training wheels off that I'll call it and let him attack the defense. Yes, he threw a pick. I understand that. We'll talk about that, I'm sure, later. But he started picking them apart. There was one that was another close pick, but honestly, like it was the right decision. It was maybe just a little late, but he's trying to convert the third down. What are we doing? How can you call three straight wide receiver screens? I don't know. Again, go back to the peewee. I, me, in my being, Robert, I could never call three straight wide receiver screens as a coordinator ever. I don't care what's going on. I would, I would run a quarterback draw, like pump the screen, then do a draw. Like I'm in my mind. I'm like, he's setting it up, pump a wide receiver screen and a pump and go like three straight. What are we doing? That's the thing. Like I, I think Getzy and I think Getzy and the offensive staff deserved a good crop of credit for what they were able to do to Denver and Washington over the last couple of weeks, mostly because for me, at least Nick, when your first read is open and you've schematically isolated that first read, well, the offensive coordinator should get some credit because that's easy for everybody, right? You're able to play on schedule, blah, 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 blah. But the moment things get modestly difficult on this Chicago Bears team, this staff has no answers consistently oh the initial plan doesn't work well we're gonna burn a quarter because we have no adjustment oh we we have to change quarterbacks well not only is tyson not ready in terms of the play calls that we've got for him the play calls you gotta remember nick this is more than just the quarterback too like are the wide receivers ready to run those calls it was hilarious that suddenly tyler scott was the wide receiver too because it was clear that Darnell Mooney had no reps with Tyson Pageant, let alone DJ Moore. And it would have been a crime. How about that? How about that play in the end by Tyler Scott? Uh, the one to come back to the ball? Or are you yes. talking about the stop route where he got himself five yards open because he did sell the vertical, put the right. brakes on, and got back to the ball? Both of them no, no, were that, sweet. That's the best on-time play. So that one I like. But the, the one him coming back, to me, tells me way more about Tyler Scott than anything. That's we the need, thing. We need that dog is what I'll call it. Someone that cares, someone that wants to, because what did Bajan do? He's like, oh crap, just chucks it, right? Which That's again, the thing. not great, but Scott cared and caught it. In in the best case scenario, Tyson Bajan becomes a really solid, uh, Cooper Rush is a good little comparison for what we see in Dallas, right? Somebody who just distributes to playmakers on time and gives us a translucent mirror into like a little window into how good the team actually is, 
right? Like, yep. can the offensive line protect at an NFL level? Well, we'll see, depending on how many sacks Bajan takes. How, uh, like, is Tyler Scott, can he play? Can Darnell Mooney play? Can DJ Moore play? As he gets more reps with him, maybe we'll know. He's also a UDFA quarterback, and I can already hear the cart coming before the horse. The big problem, I guess, that I've had with this whole year, Nick, is that as we've seen Justin Fields struggle to get to read number three on a consistent basis, sometimes read number two, sometimes throwing to an open read number one as er, in the early goings of the season, it's become really strange to wonder, okay, how good are these other teammates? Like, my favorite play to talk about here is Tyler Scott had, I'm sure you saw it, I think you reviewed it, as a matter of fact, in that Tampa game, week two Tampa game, there was a uh, a play on third down where Fields eventually works back and converts to Cole Komet. His read number one is Komet. He's not open. Read number two was like Darnell Mooney or something. He's not open. Read number three was Tyler Scott on a bang slant on the backside, and he was wide open couldn't have beaten his guy more but we didn't get there soon enough and had we might have been a 35 yard play if Mm -hmm. not more because scott was so open so separated and in the middle of the field scott was started on the right was he on the right right scott was on the right exactly yep i remember and i say this because we've now had weeks and weeks and weeks where coming into this game tyler scott had three yards he had five catches, or he had five targets, maybe five catches. I don't, I don't actually know about the targets, but five is one of those numbers for three NFL yards. This week, he looked like a little receiver. Valus mm-hmm. Jones had a reception. Maybe we see some of the young guys start to come alive a little bit as the roster takes a little bit more shape. I don't know, because the frustration that I've had with Fields is that he's a very specific quarterback, right? Mm-hmm. He runs a very specific offense that isn't a standard nfl offense is this a fair way to say it where it's like it does it's not that the deep strike hold on to the ball for a while and then get the ball wildly downfield especially if you can do it accurately brand of offense it's not that that doesn't work it's that it's niche whereas what bajan's doing is a little more nfl vanilla you know what i'm saying yeah 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 well bajan is like a um um a walmart version of kirk cousins right like we're not allowed Maybe. to talk about Brock Lobster, right? We we can't do that this early. We can't talk about the I guy mean, because you don't have everyone else around him, you know? <laughs> but, like, just so for people to know, like, I, and I like her cousins. This isn't me, you know, dissing Bajant or dissing Cousins at all. But, like, Cousins obviously has this much bigger sample size. But, like, throwing the ball on time. Like, Cousins doesn't have a great arm. He does it. Not that But, great. like, so, like, if we talk just quickly about, like, what he did well today, and then I'll pair it with Bajant. So, Early in the in the game, he had a couple of like big um, conversions on third down. The first was a, I think it was like a twenty five yard reception, maybe thirty yard reception. Is this to, Fields or Pageant? Uh This is Cousins. Cousins, sorry, thank you, thank you. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, I'm talking about Kirk Cousins. I, I whirled a, a lot. <laughs> twenty five to thirty yard reception on the right side, and they ran dagger. And, and and Jalen Johnson didn't come inside. So what Dagger is, is your number two receiver, so the receiver closest to the tackle, he ran a clear out. So he either runs a seam, and I think in this instance, he ran a divide, which a divide is a seam right between the safeties to, to pull them out of the area. And then there's a deep dig route, so you could say 10, 15-yard in route from Osborne. He hit that on time. The next third down conversion that he had was two guys just kind of went, not, not like – a slantish, but they just kind of like a, a lazy post to get in the way. 
And then Osborne came underneath them in his man coverage. And he's like, yep, that's a clear out boom and conversion. Like he's distributing, right? And making things work within the offensive structure. That's what Tyson Bajan is. You're doing lots of things within the structure, like like the, the quick um, hitch that you talked about to Tyler Scott. That's within it because that's backside of the front side concept. Mm-hmm. But hey, it works. I can do this, this, this. Justin Fields has the arm, the athletic ability to be super accurate down the field, which we talked about, which we'll talk about Tyson Bajan not winning down the field when he could have won the game. Um, And athleticism and all this other stuff, but he's not as great with processing. The last two weeks, he was way better with processing. Mm -hmm. This week, he was not. It felt as if, first of all, I'm going to be very interested to see what the All-22 says, if only because... There were some pieces of the Vikings defense that you could kind of read it pre-snap where they'd line everybody up and it would be like, assume they're all blitzing. I mean, that's sort of the name of the game. Don't just assume that they're not going to come, that they're going to drop out or you're going to get yourself in trouble if they do. But the Bears took a bunch of sacks early. And I mean, I the other thing that doesn't help anything, Nick, to, I'm, I'm going to make a statement and then I want you to respond to it because I, I think this is fair but I want a second person to credit me on it. the, Or at least back me up or shut it down, right? Fields has made such a habit out of four to five second pockets at many times that Bears fans over the last, I'd say, three years have gotten used to this is about how long it takes to throw the ball. If you don't watch enough other football, it will feel like it takes forever to throw the football because I was shocked to see this, Nick. In my own hand timing, Fields' drop speed was the same against Washington as it was early in the season. It didn't speed up like we thought it did. He would just throw off the back or throw off his back foot, throw off of the back of his drop or take one hitch and throw the ball. So the ball came out faster. But these pockets, they were much shorter than they'd been. They were also NFL normal, right? Like the it wasn't as if the Vikings were heating things up so much that no quarterback could have possibly succeeded. Just, oh no. It just would have needed to be somebody that throws the ball with a little bit more pace in the drop back, a little bit more like, I don't know, quick read, quick out stuff than Fields well, generally operates with. As we saw with Tyson Bajan. So right when Bajan came in, he Obviously, the fumble return, but he avoided there. He did that again later, and he had one sack. So that's three times he had, I would say, pressure. Right. But all the other times, he threw on time or it was one hitch and throw, which you're not – we didn't get from Fields because Fields – here's here's the big issue. Fields does not throw with a ton of anticipation. Right. Fields is more of a Jay Cutler-ish quarterback. I have to see it open and rip it. I have the arm strength to do it versus Bajant, Kirk Cousins – Purdy, guys with not great arms that have to throw at the anticipation to win. That's the difference. Right. And that, I mean, we'll see what the what the tape actually shows us because mm-hmm. I'm going to be really interested to see what is and isn't open while these blitzes are happening. When you send six guys, there's five guys on the backside. Nobody wants to give up a long touchdown, so you're probably talking two or three deep players in space. So where are the other three or two cover guys? Yes. And are we sure that Fields couldn't have thrown to any of them, especially when you got Robert Smith on the color guy pointing out two or three times where DJ Moore is mailboxing Justin Fields and the ball isn't finding his way there. Now, not all of those are fair. Plenty of those routes aren't the primary read or where Fields needs to have his eyes, but it becomes a tired old story. When Fields rolls out to his left, uh, 
Robert Smith is pointing out, well, DJ Moore's open and Fields doesn't throw it. And instead, well, he takes a sack. Well, okay. Also, I have to say this. There are receivers open in every football game. Of course. For every quarterback because football's not built that way. It's not like, oh, this guy's open. You should have threw it to him. There's a, there's a, there's a progression and there's a concept base to all of this. Like if, if I'm reading left to right and the, the right outside receiver is Tyler Scott, let's just say, and he's got a go route and he's wide open. I'm never going to get to number four. I mean, the odds of me getting to number four are less than 5%. Less Most than time 5%. It's one, one to two. That's probably 60% of the time I'm throwing there. Then probably check down or three. If three comes in, maybe like a slant or it comes into my window, you're not going to get to four. So a lot of times I know fans can say this, like this guy was open or they'll stop video and they'll, they'll right. screenshot the still like, don't do that. It, An- there's a progression to quarterbacking. And another one that can get frustrating is when people take pick a side reads and they point out the other side and they're like, he should have worked back here. And it's like, it's a pick a side read. It's a bummer. He picked the wrong side, but it's leverage it's matchup. And then you have to stay with it. If you, if you go take your eyes from one side and then try and come back to the other one, you're going to throw a pick. You and, don't do that. And Hey, Nick, there's some of this stuff. Where let's be honest, if if Fields is struggling to pick up those leverage and pre-stamp matchups, or mm-hmm. he's not counting the blitz box correctly, or plenty of other things, like basically long story short, I don't expect Tyson Bajan is gonna come in and just ball for the Bears. Like I don't think under nearly any scenario, just or Tyson Bajan is ever going to be the franchise quarterback for the Bears. He's just going to show us what does another quarterback look like within the same ecosystem, right? Rob, Rob, Robert, you're about to get some hate mail. There's, uh, there's some Bajan truthers out there, man. I mean, and I get that because that's the other thing, right? Is it's like if I served you pistachio ice cream for forever, right? But only pistachio ice cream, a, a relatively niche flavor that some people love because that's what Justin Fields' potential touchdown to check down, Ryan Tannehill, play action, super deep shot, stuff is right Mm -hmm. and then i serve you vanilla there are going to be some people that freak out and they're like this is the best flavor ever you know what i mean (laughs) and just because it's different like especially if you don't like pistachio and i mean let's just i'm not not going where you think i am but in the world of who looks more like tom brady who looks more like dan marino it's the guy who throws the ball fast right Mm -hmm. like the guy who nearly doesn't hold on to the ball at all and then all of a sudden, Bla- Bailey Zappi plays another team, and he gets shuddered. Or Mac Jones. Mac Jones is like a more toolsy version of uh, Tyson Bajan, at least from what we've seen so far. Right. Well, and that's what's going to be interesting, I think, about this whole thing, is that so we, we have two very polarizing different quarterbacks. And that's why I think P.J. Walker was signed, is because he's very similar to Fields. It's yes. like home run or Oh no, type place, right. basically. Like and we so saw against Bajan, the Niners. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Versus the Niners. By, by the way, okay, I'm just gonna I told Robert this before it aired. So so the the Browns, they're down, I think it was 17 to 16, and they're in field goal range. They're at like the 15 or something. It's second and eight. PJ Walker uh avoids, rolls out, and then throws it into the end zone, and two different Niners converge. And they both could have picked it, but I think they both kind of like hit each other, went incomplete. Ah! It's incomplete. So think of that scenario, right? It's like (laughs) less than two minutes to go. You just want to kick a field goal. Like that's what you're going to get from the PJ Walker type, right? Like you, you get the amazing play 
or the what are you doing type of play. Right. But here's the interesting thing about what's going to happen with Chicago, because we'll talk about Fields' injury here, I think, next. But like, if he misses some time, which he should, Bajant is something so different from Fields that it's going to be interesting to see if the training wheels are off, if Luke Getze is good. We're going to have a huge indicator if Luke Getze's offense is actually good. And then we're like, well, maybe Justin Fields just couldn't run it right. Or they're going to tailor it to, to Bajan. But either way, if it doesn't go well with Bajan, and this isn't like, I know Bajan's not going to be Kirk Cousins, you know, whatever. Like he's not going to be, I don't, I mean, I'm not, I shouldn't say that. Probably The not. odds of him being great are low, even though I really like Bajan. I think he could and, be a serviceable guy. And let's talk about the other part, just addending onto what you're saying. He's sure. a UDFA, therefore he has zero leash. Like the if Bajan has zero good games one bad game that will be enough for some evaluators to say see what are we doing whereas if he has three good games that will buy him three good games of leash compare that to bryce young who has lost every game he has played in right nobody is out on bryce young if you're a carolina panther because he's you invested too much sunk cost drives a ton of this is all well, i'm what, trying to add on to say to you or about what just like brock purdy right mm -hmm. purdy had a lot of good games and then but they're like well you know trey lance you know that's the least thing you're talking about but either way we we're going to see very different offense in chicago and it's gonna be interesting to see if it clicks with beige and if this quick passing game uh quick decision making will work and if it doesn't then i think we know coaching wise we got to be out on Getsy. And I mean, that's the thing. Like, what I think becomes really hard for this organization, just calling it out, right? The Bears needed to be competitive this year. You and I set the floor at seven wins. You and I said if they could beat Green Bay, they may actually push for eight or nine wins. And on a day like today, I struggle to look at DJ Moore. I understand that he did not explode on the stat sheet, et cetera, et cetera. But like, mm. for instance... There were a bunch of things that the Vikings did on defense, like that blitz you talked about that had Daniil Hunter, who normally the a corner isn't going to take the edge and play off of the stunt for Daniil Hunter. That's a sweet little wrinkle yeah, in the design yeah. because any standard pass protection is going to have your running back insert between the tackle and the yep. and the guard. That's a much easier block for the running back. You don't normally send your back to go take on an edge blocker, and you're not going to play, call it man. Uh, from a blocking perspective, you play more zones on pass protection than I think people realize. I'm digressing. The point is, to me, Nick, I didn't think that the offensive line had a horrible game. Like, the Vikings were sending plus one rushers for the overwhelming majority of the game. Those rushers will get home. But when they sent five on five in plenty of cases, the Bears would hold long enough to have released to somebody. But that's if you're talking about one of those quick throw quarterbacks, right? Because there's a, I mean, we obviously saw an awful sack with Tyson Bajant where the offensive line was, they were really abysmal on that play. Right. But, yeah. and, and it's not like all of field sacks were his fault. It's not like the offensive line was amazing. It's more like we saw last year what unplayable looks like. And I thought they were better than unplayable. I thought the receivers were all right. Or at the very least, they've been so good over the last couple of weeks that we know that there's talent in there. And so I, I am really frustrated that we're not getting the return on the talent that we expected and that it comes in such spurts. But... Well, I mean, that's that's part of development. That's a part of like, we need to evaluate at some point. Because, I mean, 
Okay, do we sign Darnell Mooney to an extension? We we haven't seen a lot of Darnell Mooney the last two years. You know, like or, or, or how about the last about midway through last year? We haven't I'm seen much of you him. On like it? it's tough to evaluate that. Um, I I think there were two big losses today, O line wise. I saw Tevin Jenkins walk back once, really deep in the backfield, and Cody Whitehair got beat at least one time, really bad. But other than that, I don't think it was terrible. There there was the sack that. Darnell Wright gave up where Hunter walked all the way around him. But at that point, you should get rid of the football. And it wasn't. Yeah. And I mean, that's to me, at least the hard part for this team comes. Let me ask you this, because this is really, I think, the silver bullet question, right? If Mm -hmm. if the season ended today, then I think that Matt Eberflus probably gets fired. Like if the win percentage stays the same, if the Bears end up a one loss team or a two or a one win team or a two win team, Mm -hmm. if a new head coach comes in. Has Justin Fields done enough to stay the quarterback uh, and stave off pick number one or pick number two? Probably not, right? And I don't think Luke Getzey necessarily has either. And that's what I would imagine Matt Eberflus is going to look to change. Right now, as we're watching it, like literally watching Chiefs, uh, or what is this, Patriots and Raiders play as we speak, the Raiders look not very good, but not as bad as the Patriots which is a real mm-hmm. shame because I can't imagine that the Patriots are that much worse than the Bears if they're worse at all on the whole. And if the Raiders look one tier above them, that still means the Raiders are not a good football team. But yeah. if you come out of next week, I know we're starting to spill a little bit, but if you're if you're one and seven after the first eight weeks, there's nowhere to go. Like, right. especially at a team that you and I thought was at least going to be NFL normal. Right. And I I give them credit because it took them the entire football game to lose in this game. The the Bears defense, another little hat tip, kept them around. Thank you, Vikings offense as well. But there is a point, Nick, where if the if the team isn't any better than they were when we were convinced they were tanking, you got a problem. And if you're going and if we're looking for babies in the bathwater, how many of them stay? And to me, yeah. that's that's the big question, right? Because yeah. I love Darnell Mooney. But if you're doing a wholesale regime change, I don't know if he stays. I don't know if Jalen Johnson stays. I don't know if right. Eddie Jackson stays. Like a lot well, of Eddie Jackson got hurt again. That's another thing I want to bring up. Mm-hmm. Which like we both love Eddie Jackson, but if you can't stay healthy and you got that big salary, you're probably not on this team next year. Wrong side of 30. I loved Eddie Jackson too, but he's it's the wrong kind of comp, man. <laughs> like, Johnson mm-hmm. Gardner Johnson got injured too earlier this season. Like, you get old past a certain point, and suddenly Charles Tillman couldn't keep his tricep on his arm. Like, it's really sad stuff. Because it when is. it's over, it tends to end with physical health issues. Have, but, have you seen Have you seen the Kelsey documentary? Not the documentary, but I have I think heard it's, it's not, really good. I think it's not. Is it Prime or Netflix? Maybe Prime. I'll check both. Um, it's, it starts with... And this is about Jason Kelsey. So if people don't know, he's the, he's the older one, the, the center for the Eagles. It starts with him having some kind of like a, a muscle contraption where like it ha- he has to like, and he's like, yeah, I have to do this just to like be able to like function to like practice. And this is something where I don't know that people realize what their bodies go through. And this is why the, the NFL is such a, a youth heavy uh, league because your bodies, again, for the guys to even get into the league, you did high school football. You did at least three years of college football. And then you get into the league and your body deteriorates. Like I saw college running backs that were way faster and quicker as freshmen 
than they were as juniors and seniors. Like they, they deteriorated. Like, I mean, that's why you see like the running backs, like the Dalvin cooks, like he's not as quick as he used to be. And he's, he's not, he's what? 27. Like Justin Fields doesn't look as quick as he did last year. And why would he, he sustained so many injuries last year that, I mean, he still looks fast. He looks frankly stronger than he did last year. Yeah, but he does look stronger. Getting getting caught like he is by some of the defensive ends, this didn't happen, right? And well, he, he's looking to throw. Like that's part of it too. Like today, there was oh, yeah, one. He rolled to the right, and he tried to like, and then ran instead of just running right away. He would have got more. But like, you know, I know that's part of him trying to evolve as a quarterback. But I mean, sometimes you want to get yards. So no, I, I agree with you there. So. I think here's the one thing, the hope, right? You were saying we want to have some some positivity for people that listen to this. Here's here's the hope that I have. So if Chicago has a decent season this year, a few things I think have to happen or that could happen. One is what is Tyson's agent is legit, which could be. I, I liked a lot of the film that I saw from Tyson Bajant. Um, but also, what if this defense now that we saw, I know Eddie Jackson left, but we saw, I mean, I thought Kyler Gordon looked really good today. Yep. I thought Jalen Johnson looked good today. I saw, hey, first off, Justin Jones. I'm going to give you a little clap. You made a play today, and I One. can't tell you, I've seen you make any play this year, so I'm going to give you a little clap there. We saw some guys coming together, making some plays. TJ Edwards has looked really good the last four weeks. Absolutely. And if you can get some more of these guys to come together, we're not going to be so, so bad that they play us out of game. So if they can keep us in games and we get Tevin Jenkins and I don't know what's going to happen right guard, but the run game should be better with him in there. You get a run game going better. We get Roshan Johnson. Please come back next week. We need you for pass protection. And we don't want to see Darrington Evans on the field again, in my opinion. But that is going to keep us more in ball games. So where you were talking about, we're not like the Raiders, like, they're bad. Like I want to get to that level of bad where we're not like yes. getting blown out where we're actually in ball games like today. And we're not worst team in the league material. And I yes. mean, let yes. me go turbo nerd and talk about things on the other side, because there are so many people that want to see the bears get the top two picks of the draft. If possible. I mean, it's a great year to have the top two picks of the draft and certainly Carolina. Oh boy. Nick. <laughs> <laughs> Thank talk- you. They got spotted a 14-0 lead and still got blown out. Been there. Uh, like the yes. Denver game wasn't all that long ago. But yes. it also wasn't the same in terms of, wow, and it's over, over. Like, that's that's very over very soon. Point being, if you want to go turbo nerd and you say, well, Nick, if the Bears have a decent season, how are they going to lose enough games? Hey, if the Bears don't beat the Raiders next week, then the Raiders will have three wins. The Vikings now have two wins and will likely win at least a couple more games. Raiders might have four wins. Raiders they might could win have four wins at that point if they beat the Patriots. But fingers crossed they don't beat the Patriots because the Patriots need the dub, right? But the point being that the Bears will then hit the tough stretch of their schedule, right, Nick? This is the stretch of the schedule. You predicted all the losses in the first place, yep. like, when we get there. And at that point, just being scrappy will be way more fun than getting blown out. Who likes getting blown out? Especially because, Nick, last year, there were a lot of conversations about how could any quarterback develop or thrive within this offense. And hey, let's just call it like it is. Maybe there are some bad habits that got taught last year that 
aren't as easy to unteach as maybe some of us hoped that they would be. And if that's the case, that really stinks for Justin Fields, for the Bears organization, for everybody, right? Mm -hmm. But this year, Tyson Bajant and Justin Fields, when he eventually comes back, because they're saying that the x-rays are negative on Justin Fields' wrist. So I I don't know what that means because they're going to do an MRI on Monday. I have heard x-rays are negative a lot. Uh, at different times and then the MRI happens and a lot of times the uh, results are something completely different. But this is a year for the supporting cast to show us that a young quarterback can be developed within this offense, whether that's wide receiver play, running game, running backs or offensive line. And I'm really interested to see what we see from there because Darnell Wright got beat around the edge early in this game. This is a common occurrence. Not right getting beat around the edge, just him getting beat once badly early. Right, Nick? It's a, it's as if mm-hmm. his kick step it takes one beating to lengthen yeah. for the rest of the game. I don't yeah, know why that's happening. One bad play every week, like one <laughs> bad play. It's and it's early and it's, too. And it's and it's never a counter move inside. It's always just someone's just running the edge on it's him. It's just somebody going right around the edge. I mean, talk about rookie or like you talk about rookie mistakes. You talk about nonlinear rookie development. It is hilarious watching how common that is. And hopefully one of these days it'll be cleaned up. But if the bears spiral out of control, and I mean at one and five, I, I don't want to shy away Nick from saying this is as close to dead in the water as you're going to get six games into the season. Like obviously oh, yeah. everybody would agree. Oh, and six is worse. But in the world of NFL normal, the NFL works hard for teams to be two and four, three and three, like Mm -hmm. in the early goings of their schedule, because a team just being really awful is bad for business. It means that people don't tune into those games the next week, blah, 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 business case stuff that doesn't really apply to the Bears because the Bears have one of the hardiest and best fan bases in football. I'm not even playing. But within this, Nick, I am really interested to see what happens over the next couple weeks, regardless Mm -hmm. of who's at quarterback, regardless of this and that, because the Bears just, what, two weeks ago? Two weeks ago, we were talking about how if they lose to Washington, people may get fired. They beat Washington. No, I agree. Now they lost to Minnesota. It's going to come back. (laughs) You know what I mean? So so hold on. So let's just talk about Fields' injury real quick. Let's do it. If the if the if the X-rays were negative, which that's I just you made me look it up. So I just looked on Twitter. That's what I saw too. X-rays are negative. So does that mean it's a sprained wrist? It could be a sprain. It could be some kind of ligament thing, which I guess might be a sprain. I, I don't know enough about yeah. that. I mean, it could be a hairline fracture too that might not show. It could be months. a lie because they haven't gotten the MRI and they don't want to tell anybody. I remember, yeah. uh, what was it? Just the other day, somebody hurt themselves and the immediate word was, oh, we're pretty positive on this. And like Dr. Chow was like, no, they aren't. It's like an Achilles injury and everybody knows it. Oh, it was it was Rogers. I'm working. My brain has yep, gone all the way back that. to uh, to, week, to week one where everybody was like, no, we feel good about this. But, you know, we're going to get some tests done tomorrow and then we'll let you know. Boom. He's out for the season. <laughs> and it's, yeah. I'm like, I've been, I feel like we've seen enough of these to where I don't trust anything until we get the official injury diagnosis. Is, is it possible he's back next week? Maybe if he's back next week. I mean, it's his throwing hand, right? Right. Would that do nothing? <laughs> that can't be easy to play through but yeah. at the same time they may consider that they need to rush their quarterback back because in their eyes if they don't win next week they're one and six well and- this here's the thing too is that this is job security like you're talking about the yeah. same thing get getsy and Eberflus, like they know 
if this is train wreck again, which that's we're we're there right now. Like they have to get out of the train wreck. Like somehow they have to like lift the trains to get in the back on the track somehow, and they're not that strong. Like they have to do the Detroit Lions last year type turnaround, or they're gone. Which like they're the problem gone. is so, last year's Detroit Lions were scoring in bunches. They had to fix one side of the ball. The Bears, debatably, have to fix both sides of the ball. And that is a mess. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. The, the Bears have allowed 33 combined points the last two weeks, Robert. Uh, yeah, what am I, a huge hater? Technically, I mean, I'm just saying, the defense is, they're, they're better. They're a half-to-half team all of a sudden because, again, the first half against Washington, they allowed three points. The second half against Minnesota, they allowed zero points. The first half against Minnesota, they allowed 12. The second half against Washington, they allowed 20, which is a little more normal. But, hey, to your point, maybe they're picking something up. So here, I just did the quick maths. Chicago averaged or allowed... 34.25 34.25 points per game the first four weeks and the last two weeks it's what 16 and a half big kudos to the linebackers who have looked better i'm looking at you tj and it's oh yeah tj's a stud tj tj's beasting weren't you calling him out very early on <laughs> like, I, I i well we talked about this i had such higher expectations for him oh, because yeah. he's been such a good technique guy and well basically because i feel this like is who you saw Right. right. Like he caught, he caught, I think he cost Chicago the win in week one. That's why. If, if he does not get beat on Aaron Jones, Texas route, and he got torched too. Yeah. That's seven points back. Fields has the pick six after that. That's 14 points. And Chicago gets the ball right there. I'm like, so to me, that's, but he's bounced back. So I'm going to give him, you know, again, the, the, the clap. Like I'm, I'm proud of him for that one. But I'm just saying the defense coming back the way it is helps Flus keep his job a little bit for now. If they were, completely giving up 40 points the last two weeks i think he's already gone right and so we'll we'll see what i mean to me i think that this creates a very interesting situation for chicago because it all depends on what the owner got told going into this season if you ask me and i mean mm-hmm. we're heading into speculation island right like this is you and me stepping into territory where we just have no way of knowing but if they told the owner, hey, this is going to be a three-year rebuild, we're going to suck for two years, we're going to climb back in in our third year once we've made a decision on a quarterback, and then we'll go from there. Well, then I'm not saying they are on schedule, but maybe George could be convinced that they are. But if they told yeah. George, hey, we're going to win at least seven games, we're going to push for the playoffs, they are not doing that. And the treatment that they've certainly had in the media, different snafus throughout the season, fields calling out the coaches, et cetera, et cetera. None of that's good, right? And that's the kind of stuff that's going to get under Georgia's skin. And so I, man, I don't know what's going to happen over these next bunch of weeks, but if the Bears go on another 10-game losing streak, that's obviously good for nobody. And right now, as I'm watching the Lions play Tampa Bay, and while the Lions are struggling, they certainly look like they are taking it to Tampa Bay. It looks looks like two very solid teams. Uh, to me, it looks like when I watch New Orleans, they're a very solid team. They're not great, right? But their yeah. defense is pretty doggone good. They're, they're, they're a competitive football team. Mm-hmm. Like, the, like that's the set, like that's the bar you want to get to. You, you're, you're not going to go from seller dweller to playoff team. That's rarely happens. You just want to be competitive football. Chicago had competitive football today. 
Like that was a win. Honestly, like you got to like that area despite losing your starting quarterback. Like right. you want that the kind of the rest of the way. And I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens, but um, so, I mean, I guess back to, I mean, you talked about this a little bit about Justin Fields, like Justin Fields would have to, again, get healthy quickly here, whatever that happens, mm-hmm. you know, how long that will be, but he needs to have some consistent high end quarterback play to keep his job. First off, Yes. I also think he has to win some ball games. And that's not fair. Like, I think two things can be true at the same time. Number one, wins shouldn't be a quarterback stat. Number two, owners believe wins are a quarterback stat at the end of the day. (laughs) And what the people with the He's a winner. What the people with the money say goes. Right? And it's, and so therefore, I mean, it's going to be hard to justify. Let's say that fields had some stretches of elite quarterback play. How do those not result in wins, right? Like today, if fields had done what he'd done against both Denver and like, let's take the lowest output of Denver and Washington and fields had gone had three times straight down the field scored, right? Three touchdowns. We'll even hand one of them off. So Fields ends up with two touchdown passes, three total touchdown drives that he led. They're going to blow Minnie out because Minnie oh, yeah. did not amass that kind yes. of points, especially had uh, had that caused more trouble for Minnesota because then they end up in pressure situations, the Bears bring pressure packages. Maybe that creates some of the classic t- Kirk Cousins turnovers that we've seen in the past. They mm-hmm. did not do that. The worst part about today's game, I thought, was that the poor play on offense magnified that even when the defense does well, this team can't win a game. Like, there there are a lot of these games, if you feel like I do, where the sign of a bad coach is that even when one of the bad units plays well, the other unit picks that day to have a bad game, and you just can't find a way over the top. Right, Nick? Which, no, I I agree with you there, yeah. Um, I mean, even like the defense had a good day, but... You know, for some reason, that wasn't a fumble recover, which could have changed the entire game. Um, but one unit, I I have to give another kudos to. I'm talking about positivity. Special teams. They brought has been, it. I mean, again, like we, we settled for that field goal, you know, to like, I think to go up 9-6 or tie at 6, whatever it was. It was tied at 6, and I'm going to be honest, Nick, I would have done it too. Because yeah. your passing offense had generated 45 yards in 13 yep. plays. You were just as liable to take a sack there, despite what anybody wants to admit. You mm-hmm. run the ball, you tie the game, and you have faith that the that the Vikings offense is as bad as you think they are. Like, I had no issue. I like to think I'm an aggressive person, but it's hard to be aggressive when your team is undoing you, right? Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but in that moment, when that was happening, I'm like, Oh, like, and this is right now me as a Bears fan, whether it's going well or poorly, I feel like I'm, people know the movie major league, right? I'm, I'm that fan in the stands where like, ah, they'll blow it in the playoffs. Like, I'm just like this. I always think the most <laughs> negative thing is going to happen. So when that happens, Santos comes out, I'm like, oh, this is when he's going to finally miss one. Like, but nah. he didn't. So, nah. you know, Nails. so. I mean, that blocked extra point. It wasn't Tyreek Stevens, by the way. It was somebody on the interior that blocked extra point. Um, they had, I mean, there was some return yardage on some punt returns, which bothered me a little bit. But Trent Taylor, again, solid. Bayless Jones, positive. Instead of doing the, the just kneeling in the end zone and doing a touchback, he got 29 to the 34-yard line 
multiple times. So I think special teams deserves a little kudos too. Now, again, that unit played well, defense played well, and it still wasn't enough, which sucked because you held Minnesota to 220 yards of offense. You lost the turnover battle. You lost more sacks, right, than they had. And you had turnovers that cost us. I mean, the Bears have allowed four defensive touchdowns in six weeks. How is that possible? Bad offense and sloppy details and all the other trimmings of a unit that needs change. And to me, if you don't mind me bridging this into final thoughts, that's my big takeaway is just like we thought after week three, just like we thought after week four, just like we put in the refrigerator after week five, week six showed us that this has to change in the future, that this isn't that you got teams like Arizona that in the middle of a year where it sure seems as if the front office stripped that team for parts, they are competing in nearly every game they're in right now. They're, they're, in a, they're winning right now. They're in a deadlock with the Los Angeles Rams. No, no, or, they're winning. They're up six to three. I know, but I'm I'm pointing out that being within three is like, I got yeah, I mean, the Rams are the, the, like, you get it. But it's more to say that that Rams team is another great example. They've got what? They had 53 rookies at one point on their 90 yes. man roster. Like yep. they are Matt Stafford, Aaron Donald, and a bunch of guys. And they are figuring it out. And we are learning their names. Because if you haven't heard of Puka Nakua by now, you don't listen to any total NFL shows because he's got a billion yards. Because Sean McVay and those teams find ways to compete with the 49ers, even and the Bengals and plenty of others across the league, even when you got nothing that you can do. The obviously everybody knows that the Cardinals upset the Cowboys. Everybody knows that. The Rams pulled off a big win in week one. I, I suddenly it, for, it slips my mind who they beat, which is embarrassing because I said everybody knows that. So apparently I Seahawks. am not one of everybody. Thank you. It was the Seahawks. Yep. Like the Raiders are. Pl- uh, I, it's not about this. It's more about Nick that the Bears look like they are more than one rung below the average in terms yes. of their coaching output. And that yes. breaks my heart more than any specific player's performance or lack of performance. And the silver lining is that this is a great year to be bad. It's a really strong draft, at least based on what we know next year, with not one but two potential starlet quarterbacks. And maybe you hate both of them. Maybe you, like somebody I know, and I'm sure he'll talk about it, was able to go to USC <laughs> playing Notre Dame, where you saw that Caleb Williams threw two or three interceptions, two of which were just boneheaded, horrible decisions that cannot happen. If the Williams fire cools, Drake Mays there. If the Drake May fire cools, there are toolsy quarterbacks like Quinn Ewers, J.J. McCarthy, Shadir Sanders, uh, and plenty of others like across Michael this. Michael Penix Jr. Exactly. Like tons of quarterbacks in this specific class that could be your answer, or if nothing else, Nick, could give you passable quarterback play for another four to five years while you build up the rest of your team with a team that's much better than it was in 2022. If you dropped a rookie into the 2024 team with this offense, plus Cedric Van Pran, the center out of Georgia, and Marvin Harrison Jr., I'm feeling okay about their total support because the pieces on this Bears team are starting to show that they don't totally suck. But if there's no coaching change, I don't know how much changes. Like, Mm -hmm. even if the Bears stacked Chase Young, Jared Verse, and Chris Jones on this defensive line, how many games are they really going to win? Because have we seen Matt Eberflus show that he's going to coach in a way that that pulls blood from stone? 
I don't feel like we have, Nick. I don't think Mike Tomlin loses the Denver game. I don't feel like Bill Belichick makes or leaves Washington feeling as close as it did for you're you're going on high end. Like we're not, in my opinion, Chicago's not even getting average coaching. And to me as a coach, like one of the things that like, honestly, like breaks my heart more than anything, whenever I watch even high school, a college game, as I feel bad for the kids or players, whatever you'd want to call them at that age. I mean, no, in the NFL, they're adults, but like, I feel bad when your players don't even have a chance. Like I see a guy super talented. I'm like, Oh my gosh, like just give that guy a chance to show the world his ability and Chicago holds them back from showing that ability. Like I have no idea why Darrington Evans had nearly the same amount of carries as Deontay Foreman today. They're not they're They're realms apart in terms of talent. I know one is quicker and one is stronger, but one of them was playing significantly better than the other one today, in my opinion. And that's just something small. Like, why are we, why do we have to make sure they get the same amount of touches or Darrington Evans, who's, I don't know what, 190 pounds soaking wet. Why is he in pass protection? Bring in blasting game, bring in, I mean, this sounds poorly. Okay. For how he's played this year. Bring in Robert Tunyon to pass protect more than Darrington Evans <laughs> to help our quarterback. Like, that's just bad coaching. So, yes, I agree with you there. Okay, one other thing. You'd alluded to this. I was able to go to the USC at Notre Dame game <gasps> yesterday. Okay. Um, if you're if you're watching this in the YouTube, you know, you guys can do that instead of just Spotify or Apple or wherever you listen to us. I, I got in at 3 a.m. my time. Okay, I got some sleep. I'm probably gonna maybe nap or go to bed earlier tonight. I'm I'm struggling, but worth it. I mean, that was <laughs> a game. I mean, to say that you, I was at the game that Notre Dame finally won a big game, or right. Caleb Williams had the worst game of his career. Like it was just a cool environment, and that's the coolest part about sports is that there is emotion involved. There is this. I mean, when you're there. I have an influence on the game. If you're at home and you're yelling or clapping, like the players can't hear you. But when I'm there and Caleb Williams is backed up and I'm yelling and they can't get a protection or a check and there's a delay of game, the fans had an influence on that. So it's just cool to be in those environments. And I, I mean, I have a lot of videos. I mean, people rush the field and I didn't do that. I'm an adult, but you know what I mean? Like it was right. just cool. It was cool to be there for all of that. Now, that being said, Caleb Williams had a bad game. And just like today, Justin Fields had a bad game until he got hurt. Like it happens. I still think he's super talented. I still think Lincoln Riley is talented. I mean, I think that that team, they, they've had a lot of defensive issues, but we'll just acknowledge that one. But it was cool to be there and we'll evaluate more as it goes. I think Caleb Williams holds on to the ball too long. Sound familiar, Bears fans? Justin Fields. Yep. Um, he has great accuracy. He is creative. He can make things happen, which is fun to watch in terms of this, this current NFL, how it's designed. It used to be you need this size and this big arm and blah, 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 blah. Now it's about timing and accuracy and creativity. And that's what he is. He's that niche. So that's why people I think are, are, you know, Obsessive really, like really. Yeah. 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 They're he's the guy. So it'll be fun. I mean, we'll have a lot of games we can assess, but it's cool to be there and to be in that environment and to watch Williams play. Totally. And I mean, to me, I'm just I'm just bummed out that in a game where the Vikings refused, I mean, 12 points from Kirk Cousins and seven from their defense. 
Like, oh. and the Bears got one throw that honestly, like, so quick thing. If you made it this far in the podcast, first of all, thank you. Second of all, the turnover that Tyson Bajan started the game with, I, I forgive him for. To me, that's as rookie as rookie gets. If you yeah. dodge past one rusher, you load to throw a second time, second rusher comes and gets you. Rookies screw this up all the time and we see it on a week-to-week basis it's not long ago that justin fields i guess uh on the rollout had something not dissimilar and bryce young got hit on a blitz where he did the same thing against minnesota as a matter of fact and a defensive touchdown went the other way it's that interception that he deserves the blame for he's still a udfa rookie let's talk about that as our 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 final thing right go you you. do you want to start i'm trying to jump it in so, so in my mind, I don't blame Tyson Bajan for that throw. I know some people are like, oh, it's first and 10. That was stupid. Blah, 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 blah. What did he have? He had his best receiver one-on-one beating the corner, and he needs a touchdown. Decision's right? fine. Right. The, the, the decision was fine. He stepped up too far, and he got the, the offensive lineman got pushed in his face, and he wasn't able to follow through with it, and that's why it came out like a duck right okay right exactly and he had another one where he had that duck and right there that's revealing a little bit of his game where things have to be he has to have all of his cleats in the ground he has to be able to 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 rotate his body right to come through to get everything into his throws like that's not again udfa versus first round picks like you just don't have the arm strength to throw off your back foot and have you know a lot of velocity on it and that's why it came out bad. And you could tell it was, you know, he was frustrated afterwards. But if you're going to take a shot to win a game, I am not going to be mad at you. No. Because we needed that at some point. Now, it could have been early. Could you have marched down more? Sure. But Bears fans, you can't be completely mad when your best receivers one-on-one beating the guy. And he's like, yep, I'm going to take the shot. Well, he's a UDFA playing uh, in sudden action. So, mm. first of all, there's a lot I think you got to be willing to forgive. Right. But also, I think it's just hilarious that I I have to pin the interception on Bajan. It's just a it's a non-competitive throw. Right. But it comes from too much pocket movement. Like it is a fun trait that we like taken a little too far. Right. Where sometimes you have to be willing, even though, you know, there's pressure coming from behind you and that makes you uncomfortable. You have to be willing to understand the state of the rest of your offensive line so that you don't put yourself in a jam. Or maybe we'll find out on the all 22 that it seemed as if Borum just lost his block out of nowhere. And so that Tyson ends up surprised. Hey, football happens. Right. Worse has happened just so far. It's sure if memory serves. All three of the quarterbacks that played today got hit as they threw and threw a horrible interception. Yeah, because yeah, all three. Yep. Technically, that's what happened with Tyson. Now it felt like he put himself into the jam a little bit, but mm-hmm. I still tend to think that. Look, today I'm incredibly disappointed in this staff and roster for not overcoming the the moment. It felt like the moment was a little too big for them, and a game that could have, should have, would have been won. They did. They did not complete the opportunity to take it away. In April, we may be thankful for the way that this game ended because uh-huh. in April, we may look back and we may say, well, a, a five-win Vikings team would have been a four-win Vikings team. Then they would have been picking yeah. closer to sixth or maybe they're even going to be a four-win Vikings team that would have become a three-win Vikings team. Then then they've got a real shot at a decent quarterback if they take up some future assets and now they probably won't. 
Right, Nick? So I mean, I, I I get that. Sorry to cut you off, but like, no, go cut me off because this is ridiculous. I'm, well, I mean, I'm heartbroken today. I mean, that's because how it should what, be what do we want? I want, I want to see Justin Fields either thrive or fail. I want to give him that opportunity, and for him to let's say this is season ending, even though the X-rays were negative, let's say it's some ligament, and this is season oh, man, ending. That'd be awful. And and this is how his career goes out in Chicago. Like that would just be again heartbreaking because. As someone that is emotionally invested in Justin Fields, as we all are, that injuries suck. I mean, I'm, I mean, I don't know about your playing career. I've been injured. Um, I, I currently have an injury that I can never uh, fix. It's a permanent injury that prevents me from that doing a lot of the so athletic sorry. things that I that I want. But like, who cares about me, right? But like for players, like this is his career, and this would suck right. if this is it. So my hope, my wish, is that Justin Fields is able to come back this year and have a large portion eight more games hopefully at least to show one way or the other what happens and then if april whatever happens will come from those eight games instead of this is it because you come off of the height of the best of his career two games in a row to a little bit of a down week this week obviously we talked about that to now you're gone would just suck it would suck really badly but we're gonna have to see I mean, we need the All-22 before we can talk about anything else. So we will be back on Thursday to talk through whatever we saw when we went back and rewatched this game. Mm -hmm. And see, yet another game, Nick, that I love the Bears. I love tape study. This is going to be a longer tape to get through emotionally than I think uh, a lot of other tapes will be. But that's how it goes sometimes. So enjoy the rest of your Sunday or Monday, Bears fans, whenever you listen to this. Enjoy. Okay, Nick, here's a quick hitter. Uh, What do you think about the Buccaneer creamsicle uniform? Like, hate, in the middle? What do you think? I think it should be their permanent jersey. Absolutely love it. It is on point. (laughs) Yes. It looks so good. Uh Where's this been? Uh, I know. They should wear it all the time. If you like the baseball playoffs, uh, we got the ALCS this evening. I care because it's the Texas series. Uh, But Nick, where can folks find your work online in the meantime as they wait? Yeah, uh, at underscore Nick Whalen on Twitter. Um, you know, the, the DFS, I mean, right now as I'm checking, it is going again well today, Robert. Ooh, not, ooh. Not, not as not as good as a couple weeks ago, but still, I mean, I'm, I'm up significantly. We'll just say that, folks. So I read an article of Football Guys. It's a contrarian article, which if you want to win money in DFS, you have to do some contrarian plays to get there. So that's one thing. You can follow me on Twitter, uh, and I'll be doing some more YouTube stuff this week as well. Perfect. And then you can find me on my YouTube channel, Robert Schmitz on DBB every single day as we talk through Bears, what went well, what went poorly and everything in between. I'll see you on Tuesday night to review the All-22. And until next time, Bears fans, like or review this podcast Mm -hmm. on whatever platform you're watching on. We're at 15 reviews. Let's get to 20 if we can. Give us a five-star rating. That's what we crave, Nick, on Spotify at the very least. I can see it's 15. I'll need to check Apple Podcasts at some point. Thank you guys for listening. Tell your friends. Let's make this as the most fun bear season that we can possibly make it, given whatever it turns out. Young players are developing. One way or another, the Bears are well set up for the future. And until next time, Bears fans, bear down. Thanks so much for bearing with us. 